0: You are Locked on Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas
1: Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: All right, welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. I am your host, Patrick Kahn. You can follow me on Twitter at Pat Sports Guy. follow Kimmy. Hey, Cammie and g or follow the show, Locked on Horns. Got a full slate today, Kami. Uh Kevin McGuire, Locked on Nittany Lions, is going to be joining the show. We're going to talk a little bit about James Franklin. And I'm going to ask him, since he covers all of college football, is Texas still a premier job? Uh, we, got, we got Bevo getting sued, USA Today rankings. Tom Herman, is he unprepared? And we'll talk a little bit later about Charlie Brewer uh, and maybe some some interesting quotes that you came across uh, on Tuesday. So we're going to talk a little bit about all of that. So first off, Kami, uh you excited to be back on the show on a Wednesday, mm-hmm. on a hump day uh, as we move closer to Texas versus Baylor.
2: I am. We finally have a lot to talk about. I feel like all of these episodes are full of uh, content and obviously a lot of the question marks surrounding the Texas football program right now as they head into this Baylor game at home. So I'm looking forward to it.
0: Oh, absolutely. There's a lot of question marks. So I thought it was interesting. The uh, big story of the day uh, that that came out yesterday, Brian Davis, the Austin American Statesman, wrote an article stating that Bevo is being sued. This is probably the most 2020 story of 2020. I know, right? Not actually Bevo being sued. It's actually his handlers and owner. Uh, But being sued over the incident that occurred in the 2019 Sugar Bowl, I think we all remember when he stormed in on the the uh, the photographers as they were taking photos of the Georgia Bulldog.
2: Yeah, I think that was a classic moment, probably in uh, mascot history. I mean, obviously that was a big bowl game, Texas and Georgia, and uh, two, I guess, are the most noticeable and recognizable mascots in all of college football. So that was pretty fun if you were a Texas fan at the time.
0: Yeah, well, not so fun for Nick Wagner, who is now suing the owner's and the handlers of Bevo uh now say basically he's his injuries he can't i guess work so he's asking for 200,000 to a million dollars in damages
2: holy cow
0: that's a lot and i'm not saying that he doesn't deserve it because obviously as Brian wrote in the article it was i think his medical bills are up to $24,000 uh not able to work you not know, that's, that's a tough deal all the way around but you know like i said i just thought when i heard it i was like This is is definitely a 2020 story right there. Uh, So I don't know where you go from there, Cammie, because that that was uh, – that's one of them stories where you you just hear it and you're like, no way.
2: Yeah. Once I saw that uh, come across the computer, I was like, no way. And then uh, you kind of have to read into it because it kind of does sound like they're suing the mascot at Texas, but obviously it's an animal who – they obviously don't know what's going on. So, yeah, uh, I agree. It's a typical 2020 storyline, that's for sure.
0: I mean, why would you turn your back on a 2,000-pound steer? Exactly. I wouldn't ever. I don't care who's handling it. I don't care if they uh-huh. got it. Uh, there's only so much you can do when a when a uh, animal of that size uh, is near you. I don't know. I'd never feel comfortable. But that's just me personally. Uh, let's talk about these rankings, Cammy. Uh USA Today each week puts out their – their re rank uh, they re ranked the top. I guess now it's up to 127. Now as as we're getting closer to the Mountain West getting involved in football, we have the MAC. Came here. You excited about some Tuesday night action coming back?
2: I am. I'm excited for all of the conferences to start playing football again. Honestly, I'm not too picky in that nature. But uh, yeah, I was. I I've been really tuned into the USA Today re-rankings, uh, like you mentioned, and it's not necessarily that I think Texas will be high on that list because I don't think they deserve to be. But I like to look to see how many Big 12 programs are ranked ahead of them. And in this case, this week, uh, there were six Big 12 programs ranked ahead of them, which I think is uh, kind of embarrassing if you're a Texas fan. And so last week, Texas was at number 40 overall. And this week, they're at number 43 overall. And uh, West Virginia actually jumped them while Texas was on their bye week. So I I don't really know what to make of it other than um, they're pretty far down the Big 12 right now.
0: The thing that I make of it is that this team just, there's no confidence, right? I mean, even when they're not playing, you know, we, we made the joke that they lost the bye week, right? Right. Uh, you know, so I, I think that there's no confidence in this team. And then and, and when you have, you know, teams like Oklahoma who looked lost early on, obviously they looked better than Texas. Uh, which, you know, I think at this point, we kind of say that's not hard to do. I mean, I hate to say that, but mm-hmm. w- when you look at it, uh, Oklahoma played a lot better, Iowa State, Kansas State, West Virginia, TCU, they all look better uh, than they did to start the season, and and we kind of feel the opposite of Texas. Like, we were, you know, set the world on fire, 59-3 to against UTEP, and then Texas Tech happened, and they gave up 56 points, and need a miracle to come back. And then, and then you had TCU and then you saw the Oklahoma game, you know, and, and they're mm-hmm. playing from behind and they're having do all these things. So it doesn't – there's not a whole lot of confidence and this team is not giving you reason to be confident.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. And every time you go back over how Texas has performed this season so far, uh, they really could have lost all of their conference games. I think the only uh, no-brainer win for them was UTEP everyone was obviously nervous in that Texas Tech game, which was considered a miraculous comeback. And they've had three very long and hot and dreadful games uh, within this conference so far. So uh, I think that bye week came at a good time. Obviously, it was their second scheduled bye week. But uh, when you think about those two overtime games, uh, the TCU game, which I was at, uh, obviously had so many penalties. So that felt like an extra hour added on to that game. So uh, they've had long, dreadful games, like I mentioned. So hopefully, they can come out uh, somewhat healthy. Obviously, they're dealing with some injuries as well but um obviously we've mentioned this is a must-win game so i don't think there's any question with that heading into baylor
0: and we're gonna get into some comments that tom herman the head coach made a little bit later on in the show but i wanted to ask you this one question cammy is tom herman unprepared
2: I think that- so because when I when I kind of um, take apart where I think Herman could improve upon, it typically centers around player development, which we've mentioned. Uh, he's fielding an undisciplined football team. That's another one, and I think he just simply is being out coached, and I think that goes into preparation. So the team looks, in both losses against TCU and Oklahoma, they look flat. They're coming out and looking like they're unprepared or uh, the coaching staff wasn't ready for what's thrown at them, and they're not able to adapt and adjust as the game goes on and make those in-game adjustments. So I think that does come down to preparation, and I think obviously that has to fall on Tom Herman's shoulders overall.
0: You know, I thought it was interesting. He made this comment, and we're going to get into this before we have Kevin McGuire on the show. He made the comment about their penalties and that the team they're facing has actually been penalized more than them and i thought that was odd so i looked it up texas has been penalized 38 times compared to their opponents 36 so therefore texas is being penalized more but here's the big key their opponents are being penalized for 257 yards while texas has been penalized for 333 so not only do they have two more but they got way more yards which speaks to me, they're getting a lot more 15 yard penalties for unsportsmanlike conduct, things after the play, just bonehead plays. Uh, So that to me doesn't speak confidence. And it also speaks to me that he doesn't have this team prepared to play if you're having those kind of mental errors.
2: Yeah, those are self-inflicted wounds, which uh, we kind of contribute to both of their losses. And eventually that falls on Tom Herman. So, I mean, there's a, several different routes we can take. I think at this point, the only thing I'm confident in saying is that uh, the only consistent thing that t- Tom Herman has been able to bring to Texas is his recruiting classes. Uh, I think you could argue against everything on the field production-wise.
0: Absolutely can. All right, we're going to talk with Kevin coming up next as we we discuss James Franklin. You know, it's a name that has been circling around. But first, I want to tell you about course. I don't know about you, Cammy, but it seems like we're go, go, go. And I think we've talked about this. We all have things in our life, you know, hanging out with friends or, or family. Uh, and when you finally get that time, you got to chill, right? If you have the nonstop hustle, why don't you just relax a little bit and it all starts with one beer out there that's literally made to chill and that's Coors Life. You know, even if, if there's not a game on that night and you're hanging out with family, it doesn't matter. Coors Light is the official beer of watching any sport. You know, but I, I don't even think it's just sports, Cammie. I think it's it's television in general because I know you, you're a big fan of The Bachelorette. What are you going to do when you just want to chill and watch your show? You're going to reach in for that beer that's made to chill. It's Coors Light is cold lager, cold filtered, cold packaged, literally made to chill, as crisp, as refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. I always want to remind you to celebrate responsibly with the beer made at Coors Brew Company in Golden, Colorado. Uh, it's always that great time, and I get excited every time I hear that beer can crack open because I know it's about time to chill. So head on over to getcoorslight.com, and you can get that delivered right to you. But as always, remember, drink responsibly, it's time to chill. Now, let me tell you about Built Bar. I absolutely love Built Bar. I know Cami loves Built Bar. You know, we're we're both trying to be active. We're trying to keep our energy up. You know, sometimes your football team can bring your energy down. You know, when there's losses and, and there's time off and you got time to dwell on, it's hard to get pumped up. It's hard to get motivated. So that's when I reach for my built bar. It gives me the energy I need. What you got to do is you got to head on over to builtbar.com. Use that promo code locked on. You get twenty percent off your next order. They got eighteen flavors. You can try their temporary strawberry, the twelve original, the six new. I'm just telling you right now, if it's got peanut butter or brownie or peanut butter brownie in the name, I guarantee you're gonna love it. So check it out. Head on over to builtbar.com. And like I said, promo code locked on L O C K E D O N. I promise with less sugar, less carbs, you're going to feel rejuvenated without that crash feeling. And it's it's like a healthy candy bar. So go ahead. If you need that energy, treat yourself. That's builtbar.com. Use the promo code locked on. All right. Now I want to. Welcome, Kevin McGuire, from the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast to the Locked On Longhorns podcast, right here in the Locked On Podcast Network. Kevin's, it's, uh, it's been a crazy few months, and uh, just kind of curious. Thanks for hopping on first, but uh, how excited are you to actually talk about an actual football game this coming Saturday rather than what you've been doing for the last six months?
1: Yeah, it's certainly a refreshing breath of fresh air, I should say, because as much of a college football fan I am. Uh, the last couple of months have been fun, but now I'm looking forward to checking out some teams that I have a little bit more vested interest in, uh, not only covering the Penn State Nittany Lions for Locked On Nittany Lions, but having been a longtime fan going to those games, I have, I'm a little closer to stuff that's going on in the Big Ten. And you know, for a season that didn't look like it was going to happen just within the last couple of months, uh, I'm happy that it's here. I will take every little morsel that I can get. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it. And It just makes the college football season feel a little bit more full and complete the more conferences start getting in and play. Obviously, the Mountain West is going to start this weekend too, and Pac-12 is just around the corner. So, and the MAC is starting up too. So, it's starting to feel a little bit more normal, and I'm just happy to be a part of it moving forward.
0: Talking about it feeling normal, the Texas fan base is upset with Tom Herman once again. Uh, not surprising. Last year, there was a lot of a lot of heat after. a a dismal season seven and five going into a bowl game obviously they get the win um so you know that was exciting but starting two and two this year with a senior quarterback felt like everything was there for them um obviously not uh as an outsider when you when you look at the texas football team what what's the biggest area of weakness you think they have right now is it themselves are they beating themselves or is there something you're seeing on the field
1: All right. So when I'm sitting here watching Texas, I I just feel as though every time they do take a step forward, it's inevitable that they're going to take a step back. And I don't know what the reason for that is. Is it coaching? Is it the players? Is it the roster? Is there something that other teams are doing? Maybe it's a mixture of all three of those ingredients, and it's probably the case. But I do feel as though there's still a lot of room for growth with Texas, every time it does look like they are turning the corner. You know, obviously a couple of years ago they had the big run to the Big 12 championship game. I think that was the year they they beat Oklahoma head to head in the Red River rivalry, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And then obviously uh, capped that season with that victory against Georgia. And then obviously that seems like the step four is you know Sam Allinger proclaims Texas is back. Uh, obviously that's a, a running joke at this point, but you know it did feel as though Texas had finally taken that step back towards where they were supposed to be uh, on a regular basis. And then last year, it was a step back. I, again, I don't know exactly what it is. Is it other teams are taking advantage of their opportunities better than Texas is? I don't know. But I do feel as though for a program with as much potential as Texas has and all the resources that Texas has, it can be frustrating to see that program not have that sustained level of success And and certainly it it hurts when your rival is Oklahoma and Oklahoma has been going to the playoff every year and and winning the big 12. So obviously I understand that that kind of uh, pours some salt in the wounds for so to say. So, uh, but I I do feel like Tom Herman is a good coach we've seen flashes of it, but I think you just have to find a way to get it to be more sustainable. And for whatever reason that has not been happening in Austin.
0: Yeah. I mean, you look at his history, uh, specifically at Houston. I mean, you saw what he was doing. I mean, he beat Oklahoma. Uh, at Houston, you know, so it's, it's almost like he was able to do it. There is it, it maybe the pressure, uh, that's maybe getting to him here. Uh, cause obviously the pressure is going to be heightened to Texas. I mean, all eyes, uh, are on Texas not to talk about that song. <laughs> right. Uh, but it all eyes are on, you know, Austin. And, and so when you hear, or when you see the product on the field, it's not, it's not good. And right now the fan base is ready. To move on from Tom Herman, so my question to you here is: one name that keeps being brought up is James Franklin. Now, obviously, he's currently at Penn State. He's won 11 ball games, three of the last four years. Uh, it's almost like he's on the cusp of getting Penn State to where Penn State used to be. Uh, and so, my question is: is there an opportunity there? Do you think James Franklin would leave? And then, obviously, I want your thoughts on on what you think of James Franklin as a head coach.
1: Well, first and foremost, I never say never when it comes to coaches leaving for other opportunities. As much as I believe that James Franklin and Penn State are a pretty good fit together, and I think that there's a a recipe for many years of happiness with those two in the long run, Uh, I do look at James Franklin. He's ambitious, and there's no question about that. I think every successful coach is to a certain degree. It's just a matter of whether or not he's going to feel comfortable leaving Penn State for another job, and is that going to be the right opportunity? I think there are very few opportunities that would be out there that would lure him away from where he is at Penn State, because I do think he's got a pretty good thing going. Uh, I know he says all of the right things that please the Penn State crowd. Uh, He's very good at that. And that's not a negative criticism, but I do feel as though, you know, while he may say all the things that people want to hear, you never know exactly what's going on inside the brain of any head coach. Uh, So that's why I've said, you know, I don't think James Franklin's going anywhere. I think he's pretty happy where he is at Penn State. I think he's got Penn State in a good situation on a regular basis now. We've just talked about sustained success. Penn State has the one Big Ten title, but they've been to the New York Six Bowl games you know, three times under James Franklin. They, they just won one this past year, uh, and they've got a pretty good chance to go back to another one this year. So that is all a pretty good spot to be in, and I think he has been the big reason why that is the case. Now, they are still trying to take some hurdles or clear some hurdles at Penn State. They do want to win another Big Ten championship. They want to get into the college football playoff, and it does feel like he has something building to get Penn State there. But how long does that go on before, you know, potentially you miss out on clearing that hurdle that you decide to say, well, well maybe there's an opportunity elsewhere where I can get to that next stage. So I, I think he can do it at Penn State and I think he will do it at Penn State. But uh, how long is it going to be before that time comes? And is James Franklin still going to be a head coach? I don't know. I don't have the answers for that, but I don't see any reason right now to suggest that James Franklin is looking to leave Penn State for by any stretch of the imagination. But what's would say he would be an ideal candidate for a couple programs out there. Most notably, uh, I would I, I think he would kill it at Texas. I think he would kill it at USC. Uh, and those, that's another school that always seems to be popping up with uh, James Franklin rumors every now and then when that job situation is discussed. Um, so I, I think given his nature, given his personality, I think he could blend in pretty much anywhere. So if he were to be the next head coach of Texas, for whatever reason, I think you guys would love him. And I think it would be a pretty fun ride uh, moving forward. If that were to be the case.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I get that and and you're right. Um, And and I want to ask you this about Texas specifically, because I know not only do you cover Penn state, obviously, but you cover college football. I mean, you're a huge college football nerd, just like I am. So when you look at Texas, is that still a premier job? Is it still the I, one of the upper echelon in college football?
1: In my mind, yes, absolutely. And it goes back to what I said earlier. Texas has a lot of resources. I understand that the Big Ten revenue isn't quite on par with with some of the revenue shares that SEC and Big Ten schools are getting, but they're not exactly getting chump change either. Uh, You know, and Texas has some deep pockets. That always helps. And uh, I guess there's a little bit of one side of one thing, one side of the other, where uh, the deep pockets also come with a lot of pressure. We kind of alluded to that. And there's always going to be pressure at Texas. But in my mind, absolutely. Texas is a destination job. Um, but again, I, I think Penn State can be qualified as a destination job, too. That's why I think that there's very few jobs that you leave Penn State for uh, unless the NFL comes calling like it did for Bill O'Brien a couple of years back. Um, but I do feel like, um, you know, Texas is certainly still a destination job. It, it's up there on par. It's the same level as Michigan. I know a lot of people criticize Michigan as well. But, you know, Michigan is a destination job, even though they've had their struggles. Texas is a destination job. Oklahoma, Ohio State, Penn State, Alabama, uh, Clemson has become one as well. Uh, Texas is still absolutely, in my mind, a landmark destination job. Um, but it's it's not the right job in the right situation for everybody out there, as we have seen before.
0: And if you're, if they're asked, Kevin McGuire, if they ask you for your input when it comes to a head coach, the next head coach of Texas, do you think they need to steer clear of up and coming coaches? Or do they need to go with a proven commodity? Or, or how would you handle that?
1: That's a good question because I I feel as though the last couple of head coaching hires have been those upcoming coaches. Uh, going back to Charlie Strong, I actually thought that Charlie Strong was going to do some good things at Texas. That obviously did not pan out and blew up in my face. I'm sorry for that, Texas fans. Uh, also, I I really still feel like Tom Herman's is going to be a good fit for Texas in the long run, uh, but that obviously is having some issues getting on track on a regular basis too. So. I, I think given those last couple of coaching hires, the people that have the sway in that hiring process would probably steer clear of getting one of those hot names on the rise and would probably try to find somebody that's a little bit more proven, a little bit more veteran as a head coach, certainly at the college level uh, and James Franklin would qualify under all these uh, stipulations uh, for what we're talking about. But I just had the sense that that would be the direction that Texas would be more likely to go with their head coaching decision. Unless they feel like they've got somebody that's a surefire, can't miss uh, target on the rise, maybe coming out of a group of five or maybe there's a hot offense coordinator. But I I just feel as though Texas is now in a position where uh, they don't want to take a guess. They want to find somebody who's proven, who's going to instantly win over the fan base with proven results already coming in.
0: Yeah, I agree with that 100 percent, man. And
1: uh, once again, I want to thank you
0: for hopping on the show. Make sure you follow Kevin on Twitter at Kevin on CFB. So he's always talking college football. Also, check out his work on the Locked On Podcast Network team every day with the Locked On College Football Podcast as well as Locked On Nittany Lines. Thanks, man.
1: Thanks a lot for having me.
0: Kami, I don't know if you've heard this. Have you heard that Charlie Brewer is from Austin, Texas?
2: I know that Sam Ellinger is roommates with his brother, Cade Brewer.
0: <laughs> so I, I, I'm speaking to the oh, number of times.
2: Yes. Uh-huh. I remember actually watching Cade and uh, Austin play. So, yeah.
0: Well, you know what's funny about it is I remember, it seems like every time they play Baylor, they bring up Charlie Brewer not getting recruited to Texas at least 500 times. Well, that
2: was kind of like the Baker Mayfield saga, right?
0: Right, yeah. Yeah, because he was from Austin, didn't get an offer. Had to walk. He was walk very, on. he was
2: very upset he didn't get recruited in Austin,
0: <laughs> his hometown. And he, yeah, I think that's, I think that might be like eighty percent of the reason why he went to Oklahoma. I think it he is. Wanted, he wanted to stick it to Texas one more time, you know. And it's so I, I, you know, I think it's it's funny, but you know, at the same time, does it, does that not get on your nerves a little bit when you're watching a broadcast, uh, you know, if you're in front of the TV and not at the game? Does that like beat you down to have to hear that week in and week out whenever these two teams play?
2: Not really. I think it's more of kind of a hometown feel that they're getting at. Uh, For example, the other night uh, watching NFL, they were talking about Kyler Murray returning to Dallas and AT&T Stadium specifically. So it's just what they do. I think for some reason they're stuck on these kind of hometown games and storylines and things like that. But uh, at the end of the day, I guess – it's a player's choice of where they choose to go and who obviously uh, they're going to choose who they're recruited by. And, unfortunately, Texas didn't recruit Baker or Charlie. So, I don't know. I can't I really – I don't understand why they do that, really.
0: I think the big thing is the fact that – I think the reason why they make such a big deal, not because he's from Austin, but because his father played at Texas. You know, so he's like one of those uh-huh. legacy guys. You know, and, and Cade obviously is there. So, it's kind of like they make a big deal about it. But, you know, it's going to be fun to watch Charlie versus Sam. You know, this is going to be likely. And, and I say likely because I'm not sure he's going to stick around another year. But this is likely his last shot to beat Texas in Austin. Actually, it would be his last shot because even if he came back next year, they'll play in, in Waco. But, you know, when he's beating Texas in Waco, he just had not done it in Texas. So, uh
2: well, if there's How any confident? year that he can, it's probably this one.
0: It's 2020, right? It like shouldn't crazy. be,
2: but just by the way the season and the year is going.
0: I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we we say the – I mean, I think everything bad that happens this year, we're mm-hmm. like, well, this is 2020. You know, mm-hmm. we don't want to chalk it up to whatever it actually is. It's like, well, it's just 2020 for you. Uh, you know, I, so I thought that was interesting. Uh, and I, I, I thought it was funny because I was interacting with some people on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me yeah, at Guy. Uh, and, and I was talking with some Texas fans, and, and they keep bringing it up. They're like, well, I'm just tired of hearing about Charlie Brewers from Texas, you know, from Austin, and they want to bring it up week in and week out. So mm-hmm. I thought, you know, let's kick it off with that. But all right, Kimmy, let's talk about a little bit about the good and the bad. Uh, so when coaches meet with the media, when players meet with the media, you expect them to be on the same page. But based on what you wrote about today, it doesn't feel like you're exactly
2: on the same page yeah i guess so i kind of compiled some of the um eye-catching quotes uh, from the staff and players this week in terms of the media availability and things like that and most of it centered around Tom Herman uh, there are a few with Taquan Graham and Sam Allinger, but uh, the two I, I kind of labeled them as best and worst and the two worst actually came from Tom Herman so uh, when we were speaking about his uh, lack of preparation it was funny when uh, he actually said Tom Herman literally said Texas is scouring Baylor message boards trying to basically gather as much information as possible. And he said, if they're anything like ours, the guy's sprains his ankle and uh, the sky is falling technically. But the fact that he admittedly stated that they're kind of stalking Baylor message boards to kind of gain a competitive, competitive advantage makes me feel like <sighs> the train's off the tracks in a way to me. I don't feel like they're confident in their preparation, I don't feel like – I feel like that was probably better left unsaid. I don't know. How did you take that? I thought that was very weird.
0: That takes me as they don't know how to prepare for Baylor because they don't know what's going to happen. Uh, You know, the bad part about this is like – and I know you could say it's a different defense, but Larry Fedora was an analyst for Texas last year. Mm -hmm. He's the offensive coordinator now at Baylor. I think he's going to know how to attack this defense because he knows the players he's seen them. i mean obviously he's not allowed to coach because he's an analyst but he sees all the games he knows their weaknesses he knows what to do you Mm -hmm. know but but when you when you talk about baylor yeah i don't think that they know what to do personally so yeah uh it's just like you said some things are better left unsaid
2: right yeah and there's a the number two or i guess this one might actually be worse Herman started the media availability earlier this week saying he thinks that the general pulse of the team is that we're in as good of a place as we've ever been right now as a team. And that kind of rubbed me the wrong way because I kind of prefer the coaches who are pissed off and they're ready to get back on that field. Uh, after back-to-back conference losses to unranked teams. So uh, I understand in a sense that uh, maybe they're feeling confident heading into this game. Maybe they're uh, ready to bounce back. But I don't know. To say you're in as good a place as you've ever been right now as a team after back-to-back conference losses, I think that kind of rubbed people the wrong way.
0: So you're in a better spot after two heartbreaking losses where you had an opportunity to win the football game and, and failed to. But you're, you're in as good a spot as you've ever been. So you're in a better spot now at two and two than you were after losing to Maryland and rattling off six straight wins uh, in 2018. You're in a better spot there. I, I don't, I don't buy it. I I mean, I think, I think it's a load of crap and I think it's coach speak. They're trying to say Mm -hmm. that, you know, I think he's, he's trying to project that this team doesn't have its faults, that it doesn't have its failures, that it's not fractured in the locker room. Uh, But I see it on the field. So, right, realistically, I
2: mean, yeah. it is, and I, th- I think he should have maybe alluded more towards the mentality. Maybe they're in the right frame of mind heading into this game, but uh, yeah. just the way it comes off, I don't think Herman has been saying anything right. Uh, this week and obviously there's already a lot of question marks surrounding his future in Austin so it just seems like things with him and anything around him are going downhill at the moment but there were a couple of uh, positives I took out so Taquan Graham said he doesn't think the problem is talent he thinks the problem is discipline and execution and I think that again was kind of a shot at the coaching staff and we've all talked about how much talent they have they have the number five most talented roster in all of college football right now And then uh, number two was Sam Ellinger basically had a long, well thought out answer to the eyes of Texas controversy and what it means to him. And he kind of deflected it on the fact that uh, it has a lot to do with his family tradition and his father who passed several years ago. So uh, I didn't think that answer was divisive in any way. And he can kind of continues to showcase um, true leadership from every angle. And he Specifically stated that the team understands where he's coming from, and he's, he understands as well where the rest of the team is coming from. So I thought that was a great answer as well.
0: You know, I thought it was funny, uh, not, not that you'd written about it, but Quan Graham, they also asked him about the eyes of Texas, and he said it's a distraction. He said, no, mm-hmm. my focus is winning football games. And I think the distraction is media-driven. Personally. I do, too. Um People are making too big a deal about this. And, you know, it's funny because Justin Wells of Inside Texas, you know, he had even said, you know, we've had all these questions about the eyes of Texas. Is anybody focused on winning? Exactly. Is anybody focused on football? And Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, that's why we're, that's why they're here, right? I mean, that's why they're on the football field. They want to win. Fans want to win. Boosters want to win. The team wants to win. Coaches want to win. But it just seems like we're always talking about the eyes of Texas as oh well, look, Sam's out here by himself. Well, you know, maybe maybe Sam's out there by himself because it's personal to him. Right, right. And and this goes back. And I'm not saying that I ever played at the collegiate level because I didn't. But when I played football, there was always like a a tradition or or something that I would go through every game. I would do the same thing. You know, it's uh, so there's always something that's personal to a player. You know. You know, Sam's usually the first player that runs out onto the field, puts his helmet on the ground, nods his head. I mean the rest of the team follows, but you know, there's just there's certain things that you do. So that's that's what I chalk it up to. And I think we need to stop talking about the eyes of Texas being a distraction. It's gonna rip this team apart. Because I'm gonna guarantee you losing will rip this team apart faster Mm -hmm. than anything else.
2: I was just thinking that there's so much tension, I think, from so many different levels right now surrounding the Texas football program. That the only way, I guess, to limit these distractions and tension and things like that is to go out there and win some dang football games.
0: Yep. And that's all it boils down to. Uh, but that's going to do it for this edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. Make sure you're following Cammie at G. Follow me at Pet Sports Guy. Check out Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All for Cammie. I'm Patrick, and as always, keep it locked on.
2: Hook em.